1: Hope you brought an apple for the teacher because it's time for the star seminar. And now here are your hosts, Rabble Rouser
0: and Danny Fenton.
2: Welcome, future football laureates, to another edition of the Star Seminar. The ad drop deadline's nearing, but remember, you can always get into the class as long as you have a letter of recommendation from either Professor Stern or Professor Owning. Otherwise, you're going to have to meet the requirements, which are extensive and mean that you watched the 2022 season very faithfully. As always here as my guardian to make sure that no one sneaks into this class who doesn't deserve it is fellow professor, Dr. Danny Phantom. How are you today, sir? Doing great. i on the classroom bouncer, huh? Make sure we don't have we're, any stragglers. We're, uh, we're, yeah, I, I need a little. I need a help. A lot of people. A lot of people trying to get into this class. It's very popular.
1: I tell you what, if you got flip flops and a backpack and a coffee mug, you're you're in. I mean, I don't. That's that's it. I'll let anybody sneak in. Anybody that wants to come in and listen to us for sure, I'll uh, I uh, I will let them in. I'm doing good. I uh, I've been sp- trying to spend some more time with my family since you know there is no football. Um, but I tell you what, I had kind of an odd experience the other night. Uh, we went to dinner, and we don't go out a whole lot, but. You know we went out on that on that night and took the family and we got we got some terrible service and it was it was just some particularly odd service i might say it was it was really weird so we 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 got our food, but it took us like twenty minutes to get our utensils so that was just very odd and and we had a, a waiter this, this this server just was like completely i don't know it just seemed disoriented, not like he was super busy but just kind of like almost like he wasn't going to come to work the next day or something. It was just completely out of it. Um, You know, it took us forever to, you know, to get it. We wanted some to to go containers could never get them asked a couple times. He said, I'll be right out with that. And then you kind of see him, you know, walks around the corner and then he comes about and he's got another plate of food and he's talking to somebody and you know that he's completely forgotten about that. And my wife who, never complains about anything. End up finally for us to even leave, uh, went up to a different server and just asked if we can get some con- to go containers and we got them and that was fine and stuff. You know, it's just a very p- weird person and had had pigtails and you know what, you know, it's no big deal. Who cares? You know, and, until he's really, you know, making a lot of mistakes and they're like, why has he got pigtails? And so it was just a weird experience. And I don't know. I, I wanted to ask you, it's like, when's, what's, can you tell me a time when you've had some just really odd service or where you've uh, been like tempted to complain or?
2: Well, I think the one of the things you should know about me is I'm the guy who over tips because I really believe in, in um, not because I believe in good service, but I just know that those people work really hard. I did work in the restaurant industry when I was younger. And so like, I'm the kind of guy who uh sometimes like if I'm hungry, uh, not when, not when I'm at home, but like say I'm on vacation, or I'm, I'm at my mom's in, in Southern California. I'll go to Denny's at like 11 or something and have a, you know, have a little grand slam or something. Do I do a little bit of work or something, you know, just to kind of, just to kind of hang out a little bit. And I almost always like just tip whatever I I'll always tip like 20 bucks or something, because I know those people are are working really hard for not much money. Um, so it takes a lot for me not to, not to tip well or to, or to, you know, appreciate service, but I have had it happen a couple of times. And it's usually not because somebody's incompetent, but because they're just kind of a douche. So uh, there's been a couple of times I've gone out and had my, and my waiter has been like a bro who just sort of thinks like, you know, by showing up, he can get, he can get tipped. And he, and he, he has, it's not even that he has an attitude. It's just that he just sort of has expectations. And sometimes that results in, in the service that makes me the most frustrated. And so there've been a couple of times. And in fact, one of them, the guy came running out after, after we left, uh, out, out there, out of the restaurant to say like, what happened? what's, what's going on? What's going on? Like, he had no idea. And we were like, dude, you were, you were v- very uninterested. And if, and uh, you're, you know, you're of entitlement. So, so there, um, but for the most part, it, it takes a lot for me to, um, to do that. So, because it's, it's really gotta be, it's gotta be singularly bad service and somebody who just kind of annoys me and pisses me off. And honestly, um, if I'm just, my wife will always tip, but I was with, I was with a group of friends and we kind of talked about it and we, and we actually had a, a sort of, you know, a real moral dilemma. And then we decided, you know what, let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and make sure let, let's, uh, let's not do this because I think this, this, we all, we agreed this was, this was a sort of singularly bad um, experience.
1: Yeah. I think that's no, I, I think that's fair too. Cause I, honestly the whole eating out thing, like I say, we don't do it a lot, but it, it's kind of just a weird thing. Cause I feel it's either, I'm either really lazy that night where I just, we know we don't want to make anything. So we're just like, we would go out or I just, the whole idea really, you know, other people are serving you and, you know, it just, it just feels weird to me. And I absolutely I agree. It's like, if you're going to go out, you know, expect to be really generous with your tips too. But it is just peculiar sometimes when you see some people that are just, I don't know, they're just completely out of it. And it just makes kind of a weird experience, but.
2: Yeah, but I hear you.
1: What's speaking of a weird experience?
2: <laughs> We've got one for you today, everybody.
1: <laughs> what? Uh, why don't you tell everybody what we got going on today?
2: So actually, today what we're going to do uh, is we are going to do part two of our off-season review. Last week, is if uh, you're a faithful listener, you know that we did the offense, and this week we're going to turn our eyes to the defense and talk a little bit about um, what we think about the Cowboys' defense. And we're going to bring out some tools to see what we need to do to repair the defense. But before we do. I would love to hear, um, you know, hear from you. Just like I heard last week, who are some of the various defensive players in Cowboys history that you think don't get the love they deserve? Who are some underrated guys?
1: Yeah, you know what was interesting about this this group here is I found myself like thinking. No, Rab Rab appreciates that guy, so I'm not going to pick him. And <laughs> um, and of course, our, both of ours were we we had both selected Mark Tuney last week and for our mm-hmm. offensive guys. So I kind of feel like our minds might be close together. Um, so I actually have I had a couple that kind of bounced, you know that that came to me. Um, I'm I'm sh- I'm sure one of them will be one of my own. I think you know never know. You know we are similar fans, uh, but one guy I that comes to mind is uh, a pass rusher in the nineties. And as you know, Oh,
2: it might be at the top of my list. Oh as well. my
1: goodness. Are we going to do this again? <laughs> do you have a backup by the way? Should I just,
2: I do. I okay, do. Okay. Do. All
1: right. So, um, but there, first off, I will say there's, there's lots to choose from here. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of good pass rushers in the, in the nineties that you could, a long list that you could pick and say, that guy didn't get enough love. That guy didn't get enough love. But to me, the guy that I end up thinking about a lot was Tony Tolbert. Yep. He's the guy at the top of my list. Oh, my friend. goodness. Are you kidding me? Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, no, geez. I'm
2: serious. Oh, oh, I, I think, I think uh, he was overshadowed by, by, the, by the vast shadow cast by Charles Haley.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, yeah. And it wasn't just Haley, too. I mean, that whole line was, mm-hmm. I mean, you got so you know, you remember you had Russell Maryland in the middle. Cowboys been a huge drop pick on him. You know, of course, Leon Lett. You know it turned out? He's he's really good too, and there's like Jimmy Jones, and there's just so many. And that Hanning
2: came on later, yeah.
1: Uh-huh. And another guy too, actually too. You know, was Jim Jeffco, and he's he's a guy that kind of came at first popped in my mind because, you know, he was actually a big a splashy player, and I don't I don't know if he would actually qualify because because of that, but I mean he he played with the. Uh, the two talls and the Randy Whites, and then he turned around and played with the with Jimmy Johnson. So I mean, he got like two sides of there. But there's a player too that I don't, I'm not sure if he gets quite enough love. But uh, but yeah, Tolbert to me, I mean, I, I mean, he never missed a game, played his all, all nine years in Dallas. And, you know, he he had a bum knee or a degenerate knee that kind of shortened his career. And I really think that he could have probably just. You know, he, he even had more. I mean, I think he's fourth all-time in Cowboy sacks, if, if I did my research right. And um, he, you know, he just constantly make a tackle. Kind of like a little, like almost a poor man's DeMarcus Lawrence in a way. Because, you know, he gets the sacks. And nothing gaudy, but, you know, he gets them. And, but he's you know, very good with, um, you know, with the tackle. Is that just a player that I think that, um, you know, just gets overlooked because there's just so many other good players. But I want to, you got to tell me who your number two, your backup was.
2: So I have a couple, have a couple other names here who are sort of honorable mentions and I'll, and I'll go through those. And if you want to like, you know, if you want to weigh in on any of them, uh, please go ahead. Um, I, I think that, I mean, in, in some ways this guy gets, a, gets a lot of love because he was a Texas A&M product, but I think that I still think that he was probably underappreciated. Bill Parcells loved him, even though he wasn't his prototype linebacker, called him a football playing dude. And that's our friend Dat win. I think Dat win was a really smart, great player. Um, his body was too small to withstand the rigors, and I think he wore down quickly, but he was he was great. I think there's another guy who didn't get enough love who is really actually just such a solid, solid player for those um, 90s Cowboys defenses, and that's cornerback Larry Brown. Mm. I mean, so there's a way in which he gets overrated for his, for what he did in the Super Bowl and Super Bowl Thirty. You know, he had a couple of, of errant Neil O'Donnell passes went to him, and, you know, he ended up probably should have been the uh, MVP um, but, but, but I don't even think about that when I think about Larry Brown, I just think about a lot of really solid play 12th round draft pick from TCU, but he had a four three speed and was just a tough guy. And, you know, they drafted a bunch of guys who were more athletic, Who and, you know, spent spent more draft capital on them and, and he just couldn't be beat out. And he was, he was great for a long time. Um, and ultimately played it played opposite both pup and, uh, opposite, uh, Dion, and then there's another guy who's more more recent that I really don't think got enough love at the time. And the Cowboys, I don't think, gave him enough love. They tried to replace him, but I thought he was a terrific player and he made a lot of big plays, important plays in games in like 2014, 2015. That's defensive end Jeremy Mincy. They only had brought him in for a couple mm-hmm. of years. But man, in 2014, when the Cowboys defense was playing lights out at the last like month of the season, they 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 had a, a record number of turnovers and they had a bunch of sacks. For a defense that you know didn't didn't um, have gaudy numbers for most of the year, they really came on that last month. And one of the guys who led that was Jeremy Mincy. He was terrific, just a pro's pro. I think he had spent most of his career in Jacksonville, but came here. You know, uh, had a lot of pass rush moves. Was solid against the run. Was a defensive leader. Really, uh, really good guy. Um, and then, but then they you know they wanted more explosion or more something from from that position. So they ended up going. You know, the 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 Hardy experiment uh, was the next step there at that, right. that you know right defensive end uh, position. And I always thought that Jeremy Mincy outplayed him. I really did. I thought Jeremy V. Mincy was a strong, strong player and I, I would have preferred in the long run that they re-sign him. So those are my guys.
1: Yeah, good choices too. I think Mincy too, I think I don't know if you look back and I we we those defenses were not good when back then in the early two thousand tens. Um, we're just trying to keep our head above water, and you see players like Mincy and, and George Selvey. It's like, we're, who are these guys? You know, come in there and then and, and contribute like they did. So definitely great choices. Um, one honorable mention that I just wanted to to bring up um, is so I you know I I got into the the Cowboys or like uh, early '80s, and of course you know I'm a big fan of Everson Walls. That's where the 24 comes from on Danny mm-hmm. Phantom 24. But I honestly, Raz, I loved all of the Cowboys uh, defensive backs from that team. I mean, if you look at like Dennis Thurman.
2: Are we going to get a Michael Downs here, my friend? We're going to get
1: a Michael Downs. Yeah, we're oh, going to Michael Oh, I Hill. love
2: it. I love yeah. it. Uh, and, uh, great, great player. Underrated player. Yes.
1: And yeah, you know, he doesn't get, I think he was undrafted player. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I was looking over his numbers too. It's like, oh my goodness. He's tackling everything. He's picking off things. I mean, he had like, you know, at least a couple seasons I remember where he had seven picks in a year. One of them was the the Everson Walls eleven pick year too, where the Cowboys just as a whole were just intercepting everything. But Michael mm-hmm. Downs was just one of those players that he just made plays, and he was fun to watch. He, he's kind of like the to me, he's almost like a Tony Hill of the defense in the sense of like there's other more flashier people at his position, but if you look at talent wise. You know he's he's a really good player. So yeah, Michael Downs is a I'll never you know good old twenty six. You know just coming across the you know jumping around or something. It's just a very very
2: rangy free safety. Very rangy. Yeah. Yep. Yes. yep. yep. Uh huh. So, yeah. They, they, they need they, the Cowboys in the seventies had a lot of great teams, but they really never had great defensive back play. They always kind of just got by with the Mark Washingtons and the Benny Barneses and. So suddenly, then in '81, as the rest of the team declined, they got this infusion with Walls and Downs, and um, it was really interesting because, like, they kind of they kind of switched in terms of what what was good about the defense. And those guys, I mean, after losing the great safety tandem of of uh, you know Charlie Waters and um, Cliff Harris, they were really struggling for a while, and so they needed a guy like Downs to, to to come in and make an impact, and he sure did. He was terrific. Yeah. Indeed, yes. So speak, speaking of terrific, let's 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 turn our eyes, if you don't mind, to the 2022 Cowboys defense, which in many respects was indeed terrific.
1: It was. You know, I, I was. I'm looking forward to this one because you know last week, you know we we did the offense, and um, you know what basically what what we're going to do here again is you know we're going to um, pick a, a position group of the Cowboys and we're going to examine them. What we saw last year and also, you know, what things need to be fixed and, you know, just how bad um, they need to be fixed. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and, you know, last week we had some tools for you, you know, know, just to recap, you know, if you uh, if it's not so bad, then you may choose to to patch it up with some duct tape. Uh, Or you could choose a hammer could choose some power tools or if things are really bad you have the option uh, to just blow everything up with a jackhammer. You know offense there's a lot of work that that you know needs to be done with the Cowboys defense. It's a little bit different because you know this is a very good unit. Two second year in a row Cowboys uh, ranked second in defensive you no, know, and DVOA, which is you know what to me those kind of things travel. Mm-hmm. Like I think mm-hmm. I think you, we're going to see a another good team next year um, from this group. But let's just break this down. Let's go through each one and let's try to figure out just to what degree the Cowboys need to do some repairs. So I want to start off with the uh, defensive ends. Uh, you know, first off, you know we got a little bit of a curveball when the whole Randy Gregory thing. Happened, And so just like that, the Cowboys were going to be without him. So at first it seemed like, well, could be in a little bit of trouble. But as we soon learned, you know, we got a lot more Micah Parsons, which has has the highest, you know, pass rush win rate in the
2: league. Mm -hmm. On the other
1: Mm -hmm. side, you got DeMarcus Lawrence, which is one of the best run stoppers in the league. Uh, Yeah,
2: PFF has him as the highest uh, uh, run play win
1: rate. Yeah, so there you go. I mean, there you go. So that's a pretty good... You know, edge right there, and then mm-hmm. and then the Cowboys throw in. You know, they go out and sign a uh, veteran Dante Fowler, which hey, that was I think you could say he performed. You know, better than we expected. Dor- uh, they re-upped on Dorrance Armstrong. He started off really well. Um, good depth player, and of course we got a good rookie season out of the um, Sam Williams. So honestly, mm-hmm. pretty good group, I-, I would say. So my question for you, Rabs, going moving forward how do you fix that? What are you using to fix this and you
2: know what kind of problems can you see for the cowboys here? I'm using duct tape, and frankly, I'm not sure I even need it uh you know ultimately, what I might just need is a quick polishing rag for these guys um to me, the real question is how can you help some of the other guys along so Michael Parsons doesn't need to play so many snaps at defensive end because those are. Our, very physically challenging snaps. He talked about it, you know, about two, three quarters of the way through the season or so, about how he was getting worn down, about how, you know, playing all those snaps at defensive end where he has to play a lot of run snaps against guys who outweigh him from anywhere from 50 to 75 to 100 pounds. Um who are just sort of leaning on him and throwing him around and stuff. And he's an incredibly strong physical guy for his weight and size, but nonetheless, I think he's getting beat up. And I think that if the Cowboys are going to have success late in the season, they need all their good players to play well, and they need their transcendent players to play transcendently. And Micah Parsons is the guy on defense who is a transcendent player and he has to play transcendently. And if he's worn down, if he's not at 100%, I mean, obviously nobody's at 100%. If he's not, if he's not reasonably close to 100%, then I think then you need to do something different strategically and schematically during the year because what you're doing is you're taking away the thing that is your greatest game changing um, sort of wild card on defense. And saying, you know what, I'm not going to play this card because I think I, I, I mean, I know that you know his his pass rush win rate continued to be very high, but there's his acceleration and suddenness wasn't, and so his ability to make plays to chase down plays was, I mean, just diminished a little bit. Sometimes that's that's all it takes, especially when when the rest of the league is is throwing a lot of you know uh, short quick passes and things like that to try to to try to uh, navigate your pass rush, and so the Cowboys. The only thing I, I will say here is the Cowboys need to find some way to um, to get Micah Parsons off of the defensive end and moving around the formation more. Because I also think that if he's your Troy Polamalu type guy, your defense is going to be even better. You've got to have him coming from all angles. And if he's just playing right defensive end, a majority of snaps, it's easier to scheme against him. So
1: you're pretty happy
2: with... Like you said, he just let polish rag on these guys, so I mean,
1: we're basically we're yeah, so- very happy.
2: I, to me, to me, really, I mean, to me, the key is can Sam Williams develop enough between year one and year two, when players usually develop the most, mm-hmm. to be able to take more of those snaps, so that Parsons can play elsewhere, so he can get a breather earlier in the season, etc. So you don't need Michael Parsons to be a hero, you know, in the middle of the season, so you can sort of uh, you can sort of save him. As your wild card for later in the season.
1: Yeah, I I agree too. I think outside of Fowler, really, you got the you got the the you know the band still together. So the yep. Cowboys typically what they'll do is you you'll likely see them look for another guy, a one year you know real low cost deal. Could be some other veteran that they they bring in there, and uh, or you know who knows it could be Fowler again. But uh, yeah, I mean I, I really don't think you're like looking to fill any major no. major holes there. However. If you move on the inside a little bit, things are a little bit different because while the Cowboys did get um, a slew of contribution from a bunch of different players this season, uh, those same players aren't going to be around. Um, So I was just going through this. uh, You know, the Cowboys, I think the biggest thing is the emergence of Osa Odigizua, probably the best defensive tackle the Cowboys have on the team. Um, Agreed. You know, and then we started kind of going away of away from the non-Quinn guys, you know, Tristan Hill, you know, even got released, uh, Neville Gallimore with some healthy scratches sometimes this year. He completely just kind of faded. Uh, as you know, we just went with more of, of, uh, Dan Quinn's makeup and, you know, we got some contribution from, um, some free agents with, you know, that we got brought, uh, Jonathan Hankins in, which was uh, to me, I thought was a fantastic signing. And then, uh, Carlos Watkins, So you know, speaking of underrated, that guy, I tell you, I mean we could he could be the answer you know to to this question if we asked it you know a decade from now or something cuz he is just exactly. quietly comes along and just makes place you know in the middle there um and we were, honestly really the, the Cowboys the only goof in defensive tackle was letting John Ridgeway go you know and I mean you, know, you can't even really blame him there because they had such a you know a, a large group of talented players that they you know were high on and so you just had to had to pick it, and of course he's he's de- developing pretty well. But nonetheless, we don't have those same players. A lot, you know, a lot of people, a lot of those players are, are not un- under contract. Uh, so, and this is always an area that worries me. Is you know, in the middle there. So, reps, where's your level of concern? I mean, how are you? Uh, how are you t- handling this uh, improvement project?
2: I'll say right now that I don't think any area of the defense requires a jackhammer. And so for me, the, the most sort of severe renovation project here uh, is going to require power tools. I'm going to have to get my Makita, you know, three and one out as I really do believe that this is one of the areas that requires that. So give me some power tools to, to save this one. I will say that Neville Gallimore was the greatest disappointment in 2022 for me. I, you know, the way that he was performing during the preseason, Saw little flashes during uh during you know preseason games and training camp. I really thought this was going to be a breakout year for him, and I actually said so on one of those sort of early season podcasts when I joined the Tuesday bunch with with R.J. Ochoa. I really thought that uh, Gallimore was going to be like have a you know a breakout potentially like even all pro kind of season or sort of Pro Bowl kind of season, and he ended up obviously as you just said regressing and uh, became a healthy scratch late in the season. So I, I think a couple things. I think that, yes, uh, Osa de has come on. He's also undersized, and, and he he can only really give you so many snaps per game or else you're going to wear him down just like you do with Parsons. I think early in the season... Uh, they made up for the lack of, of pass rush at defensive tackle by kicking a lot of their bigger ends inside, like Dorrance Armstrong and, and Tank Lawrence in particular. But I don't know that that's going to serve you because I think the way they generated pass rush made them vulnerable to a lot of like kind of off tackle runs, a lot of per, but even even in interior runs, especially ones with motion and things like that, misdirection stuff like that. It really started. I think they started getting gashed, and they went away from that, and the pass rush suffered as a result. More than anything, this defense needs a pass rushing defensive tackle. And I think, I think Odigizua can do that, but they, they need another one. They need somebody. And so to me, I want to bring that guy in, whether he's a free agent or whether it's a draft pick, I don't, I don't care. They've got to find somebody to give some push so that they can, someone who can survive and run, you know, and run uh situations or survive if they run in pass situations. Um, But, also can give you a little pass rush if they decide to do a little play action or decide to fade back. Because I think that if we look at the, if we look at the pass rush the last month, month and a half, one of the defining characteristics of it is the defensive tackles, just spinning their wheels like a yard past the line of scrimmage. And they're just not getting penetration. I think Odigizu really stepped up his game in the playoffs and played great against both Tampa Bay and San Francisco. And I was really happy to see that. and proud of him. But I think in general, this de- the the one piece this defense is missing is that piece
1: hey it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the Priceline app today your savings are waiting Yeah, I wonder how they're going to deal with some of these players that are leaving. Like, will they
2: try to maybe re
1: re-sign you know Hankins? It would be nice to have him?
2: You know, I'd be surprised, dude. I think he's a one-year rental. I really do. He's the kind of he's the kind of guy you get for a year.
1: Yeah, but I I hope they can at least find someone like that because I really think that helps a lot when they just get somebody there that can that you know that's not going to get shoved around in the middle. And I think that's what. What you know, Hankins did too, and a couple other guys we didn't mention yet is um, Quentin Bohana and uh, Chauncey Golston, who you know who, yeah. who's used in different ways, and those guys are under contract, uh, so they will be back. Uh, but it'd be curious to see how they how they deal with this. I, I, I again, I think I'll probably enter, the, enter next season, um, in the same way, like pretty concerned until they can kind of show me um, some players in there that can, can that can help and clog that middle,
2: but. Let's move. So, so, so before you move on, two things real quick. Yeah. Uh, one, they've been trying to draft a big body defensive tackle for two years in a row. Now they got Bahana, then they got Ridgeway. Mm-hmm. They're going to continue to try. I think they realize just as we do, that this is a place where they need some support. And the other is one of the, the things that saved everything I was talking about in terms of defensive tackles not doing, not, not playing particularly well or, or making a lot of dynamic plays was Chauncey Goldston really found a groove late in the season at defensive tackle. And I and I am really excited to see what he can do next year if he can continue to to sort of um, you know continue to advance on that.
1: Yeah, and and I'm honestly I'm pretty happy with Osa and Chauncey. Um, yeah. You know, being you know being the basically the pass rush, you know, dt Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. If they're if you're there, your NASCAR DTs, you're doing fine.
1: Yeah, and it's to me, it's the only concern is who's going to be that guy that, that plays the nose. Who can be there? you know, on those run early down situations and will they, you know, find someone to, that can, um, handle the mm-hmm. didn't survive there. Because if not, they their linebackers could be in trouble, which is a perfect time to move into the linebacker position. So linebackers, I don't know how you feel about, you know, the Cowboys linebackers this year, but I, I you know, we got a, a really good season from Leighton Vander Esch, uh, you know, I think he was one of the few surprises, you know, from the defense that and you know, he was healthy most of the season mm-hmm. and he, he played really well. He, honestly, I think he was a very important piece of the Cowboys' defense. Anthony Barr, I wasn't really overly impressed with. I, But, just, you know, it kind of points to, you know, what do you expect, you know? And, and he, you know, he's had a good career. But, you know, I, I think he's at a point to where he's almost – a borderline jag I guess you know he he brings some veteran presence but he's nothing really that great uh you know Damone Clark started flashing a little bit and of course we'll see more of that you know as he uh gets a full season you know next year some other guys uh Jabril Cox completely disappeared Luke Gifford hardly played so I don't know where your mind is with this group grabs so what do you t- tell me about the linebacker uh position group? What are you going to use to fix this?
2: Well, I'm going to bring out my hammer because I do think that I want to hammer out a deal with Leighton van der Esch. And nice, the
1: agent. nice,
2: because I think that I think that that's really a key. I, I, I think that the that the duo of Leighton van der Esch and Damone Clark could be a really dynamic, fast, rangy, but big uh pair. Uh, the Cowboys love to play a big nickel with with three safeties. You know, so if you want to talk about you know someone like Javon Curse or even Isreal Kwamu as that third as that third linebacker, we can do that. I don't know what the heck is going on with Jibril Cox because I felt like you know he was a great draft pick at the time they got him. I thought I thought that he would really help in um, you know in their pass rush and underneath zones. He just can't get on the field. And I'm not sure w- whether it's because he's like you know he just, he's confused by assignments or if he's not physical enough or so, I don't know something. I felt like in his rookie year, he was really coming on and then right before he got hurt. And it seemed like he was on the cusp of getting a lot more playing time. So um, I don't have any clarity about why that is, uh, other than to agree with you to say he just kind of vanished and stopped getting, you know, yeah. he was game day, game day scratch a lot, or he was exclusively relegated to special teams. So I don't know if they're going to need to try to find another guy to play like the third linebacker spot, because I don't, I I agree that Anthony Barr, I really felt like was just a a kind of like, um, you know, a placeholder for Damone Clark until Damone Clark found himself. And I feel like, you know, he's got, I, I think that he's going to be their best linebacker next year. I really think. You know, even if they re-sign Vanderesh, I think Demone Clark is going to he's going to be a Fred Warner type. He's got all the tools. Yeah, he, he didn't. I mean, he missed like maybe one tackle all year. He's an incredibly good tackler. He just needs to see it more. He's 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 a little he's a step slow. Got a little confused sometimes by motion and and shifts and things like that. But when he had Vanderesh there to kind of like you know give him give him a little heads up, he was incredible. Um, you know, g- given given his story, i mean, he was just phenomenal so i you know i wouldn't mind seeing them draft a second or uh, late second early third day kind of guy mm-hmm. if, especially if especially if they feel internally that cox is not going to do it but it's, it's really it's to me it's bringing van Der back and the question is how much is that going to cost because he vastly outplayed his contract last year.
1: oh yeah i'm surprised you know man i looking at that it's like why didn't the cowboys get at least do a two-year deal it's like well, probably. I guess Vanderesh.
2: I bet. I bet he is, His agent said, "No, let's do a one-year bet on you." Yeah, and that was because he played
1: for practically nothing last year. And tell you what, he won't go for nothing this year. it, it was. Nope. Um, but I totally agree. I, I really think you know. And I, I just look back at Damone Clark and thinking like, you know, when I was watching college film, you know, last last year you know, doing you know draft prep stuff and so impressed by Damon Clark, you know. Figured he was Incredible. like a second round guy, you know, one of those guys that's like, you know what, if the Cowboys missed out on the Kobe Dean, you know, he would be great to great to have. And honestly I'm just thinking now, it's like, you know what, because of the situation, the Cowboys kind of lucked into a player like that. They and did. And he, it was so great to see him on the field this year because the stuff that he, you were talked about, like with it, when he learning the next to Layton, those are going to be so valuable for his, his growth. And so he's going to be a different player in year two. Uh, so I'm super excited about that. Um, but let's move on to the people that are in coverage and, uh, the defensive backs, the Cowboys, um, this year we'll move, we'll start, we'll do cornerback first and, uh, you know, I think we talked about this a little bit, and I, I felt like the Cowboys were lucky last year because their three main guys—you know, Trayvon Diggs, Anthony Brown, and Jordan Lewis—were were all healthy, and the Cowboys really never had their depth question. They never really had to mm-hmm. to call upon their depth. Uh, but that was not the case this year, uh, as the Cowboys lost both Anthony Brown and Jordan Lewis, and then the Cowboys had to they had to call on their depth, and I think they were really fortunate with uh, the rookie, uh, Duran Bland. I thought he had a great rookie season and d- plays the slot extremely well. But the Cowboys were kind of like not so lucky on the outside as they played with a bunch of different uh, diff- different uh, cornerbacks, uh, starting with Kelvin Joseph. That did not last very long. Neshawn Wright, you know, got a chance for a little bit. And then the, the, we saw like Trayvon Mullins, I think, late. We saw, was mm-hmm. it McKenzie Alexander? Was it? You know, I, Xavier, know, um, Xavier McCann. McKin- um, uh, yeah, just...
2: Rhodes, uh, roads,
1: Yeah, and, uh, yeah, basically, they were just kind of mm-hmm. just throwing darts at, you know, trying to, to get some play from somebody. But, and obviously the big ones were, are the, the second-year players. They're, you know, they're day two picks from 2021 draft with Kelvin Joseph and Nashawn Wright. Those guys are... At this point, we got to. I think we can say that they're a disappointment. Um, but I want so I want to ask you, you know, we don't know. So, Anthony Brown, not under contract, Jordan Lewis is for another year, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, where are you? How are you fixing this cornerback group?
2: Um, I'm using duct tape, really. I, I I'm. This is me. This is me. Yeah, I, I'm a lot less worried about this group than I think a lot of people are. I think a lot of people were like, oh, my God, they have nobody opposite Trevon Diggs. And I sort of feel like if you've got someone like Trevon Diggs who nobody wants to throw at, uh, you can do a lot schematically to protect the other corner. And I feel like when Jordan Lewis coming back, I mean, assuming he comes back somewhat near himself and Deron Bland making the the, the the jump from rookie to second year which is uh, as everybody knows the biggest jump a player makes in their nfl career i think they're going to be fine in terms of starters now listen if they dropped a corner in the main round one i'm not going to i'm not going to complain that that's fine i mean i could see i could see the need and that's certainly an area where they could use some they could use an infusion uh that, that would that would not n- do nothing but hurt but help the defense but um at the same time, if they don't draft a corner, or if they only draft another one in the fourth or fifth round, I'm okay with it. I really am. I really don't. I'm not that worried about it. I feel like, personally, I'm the, I'm of the mindset that the pass rush covers the corners more than the covers corner the uh, cover the pass rush. And I feel like the Cowboys have one of the best pass rushes in the NFL. If they can find a pass rushing defensive tackle, like I said earlier, I think you, no one's going to care who the corners are because they're going to be fantastic. Yeah, because they're not going to have to cover.
1: No, and that—that's probably why you know the Cowboys have been so successful with those names that we have talked about. Because I mean, I, I mean, I know how people feel about Anthony Brown. I mean, he, I think he's better. A lot of people give him credit for, but he's—he's also—he's also not fantastic too. So I mean, they've been kind of just getting by because because exactly what you said. You know, the, you have that pass rush. But I will tell you what, the reason. That, it wouldn't be duct tape for me. It's it's going to be a little bit more involved, only because of this. And I, I love Devron Bland, but to me, I love Devron Bland in the slot. I think he that's where he belongs, and that means Jordan Lewis does not have a place on this mm-hmm. starting mm-hmm. lineup. And he he has a place as a backup slot corner, in my opinion. But I don't. Jordan Lewis doesn't have the tools to play on the outside. So to me, the Cowboys are still missing a very important piece of their cornerback. And I don't know where that's going to come from. I mean, you kind of know how I felt about the other guys. Uh, I don't know that Kelvin, Kelvin Joseph makes this roster next year and nation. Wright. I will give, I will say this. I was impressed with some things I saw from him, but the question is, can he be trusted now as an everyday, you know, starter? And I mean, maybe, maybe he takes a step forward. I don't know. Um, But well, I guess we'll see. So I, I, I do feel like they do need a little bit of help there. Um yeah. But Rabs, one place this Cowboys, you know, defense does not need help and is at the safety position because I felt like this year they just had an abundance of talent and of course you know they do go he- heavy at safety. So that's all it's nice when you uh when you do have an abundance and of course it starts with the hybrid safety in Jaron Kurse, which was such a great free-agent signing a year ago and you know the Cowboys re-upped on him and get him for two more years one more left on on his deal um to me he's a fantastic player um plays the strong safety position extremely well and then we talked about how they can go light at linebacker and that and he's one of the reasons why for sure uh, another thump or two is the great season from donovan wilson uh he put together and he was just the, basically just able to run downhill and just you know lay the hit on everybody i i, I think wilson had Well, without question, he had the splashiest year of his career. Um, He, however, is not under contract. He will hit free agency this year. Uh, The other one, Malik uh, Hooker, was also signed to a two-year deal. Thought he played pretty good. Uh, There was times Mm -hmm. he was pretty fantastic. Uh, But, I mean, those guys collectively feel really safe about it. And, of course, one of the surprises to me in, in the Tampa Bay playoff game was the way they utilized uh, Mukwamu, and, you know, mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. he has flashed some, you know, we saw a little bit in preseason, we kind of wondered how much he's going to, you know, take a step forward this season, didn't get a lot of action early on, but then, you know, all of a sudden, I, they just had, had slot duties in the playoffs, and I'll tell you what, man, that that definitely made me feel better, but so, what are you using, how how bad is the Cowboys safety group, and uh, what are you using to fix this?
2: I would say I'm using duct tape. I mean, the the reality is the defense is in really good shape, right? I mean, I I think that if we we can re-sign Van Der Esch, that's going to be great. I think if we can re-sign Donovan Wilson, that would be great. Although if they can't, I mean, I think he does have some limitations. I think he's a really great box safety. I think he also makes he may be a little overrated in Cowboys nation because he's really good at like sort of running downhill and making big yeah, tackles yeah. and big hits. Right. He, he, he tends to be the guy who's playing a little bit close to the line. And he, I mean, he closes with remarkable speed once he sees it. And um, there's several times where he, you know, he made a play behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, he blew up a screen pass, that kind of thing. And I think that those kind of things sort of stick in the memory more. Then the kind of stuff that malik hooker does which is basically to stay back there and just discourage people from mm-hmm. throwing deep because he's because he's uh executing his assignment solidly play after play after play and so i think if they if they if they can get donovan wilson back for a certain price that's fine but i also think that you know he's not he's not darren woodson you know i mean he's not he's not the kind of guy who can play deep safety and play play in the box he i think he's limited i think they did a nice job of of um and the other safeties in the room also helped him to be to play uh in the situations and in this in, in the formation and the scheme where he's best. Um and I'd love to I'd love to have him back because I think I think one thing I would like to see more from these safeties are more more big jarring hits. I think that you know we saw some from Hooker Hooker. Obviously the guy who's the enforcer back there is Wilson. I think it's really important to have a, an enforcer because right now. Your linebackers are big physical guys, but neither of them is really a big hitter. Yeah. And so I think that I think that, you know, the, the only enforcer types you really have, you got a lot of guys who seem like they're a little bit too nice who are on defense other than Demarcus Lawrence and then Donovan Wilson. Um, and, you know, listen. If Trevon Diggs is going to basically play uh, Olay all the time, you need somebody in the secondary who's going to lay a hit on someone, or else, or else receivers are never going to fear anything. Right. And so um, I, I think you know bringing him back for that reason would be nice. But if they don't, I'm not going to I'm not going to lose any sleep. I think Wilson's priced out because
1: I, I think he made.
2: A- I, I I'm afraid he is as well. Yeah. I
1: agree with everything you said too, and I think if you look at a look at the tape, you see a lot of things that Wilson also struggles with. You know, I think when he, sometimes he takes real some really bad angles. I think the way Dan Quinn utilizes him is fantastic. Um, he, he really keeps things simple for him. Uh, but I'm not paying. I'm not throwing out any any you know meaningful money you know for, for for him. And I think he's gonna he's gonna command that because he did make a lot of splash plays. And I think a lot of Cowboy fans are gonna be upset when he signs with some other team, you know, you'll go he'll go to Minnesota or something and people like, what? We you know he was Cowboys should have did it for that price or whatever and and um I'll I'll be one of those few that say no I'm 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 okay I'm okay with that. But so yeah you're absolutely right Reds there's there's not a lot really um you know the Cowboys need to fix you know with this defense. I I, I mean
2: honestly I really feel like the the problems they had in the run game uh, in the middle toward the sort of like the sort of you know third quarter of the season from the green bay game on along along in that in that stretch i think really have a lot to do with the fact that they were stunting so much it was it had to do with the way that they were dif- they they were trying to generate pressure and i feel like if um if they can find a way to play the run or to get an interior pass rush without having to do a lot of stunting which exposes them to runs um then I think that they're going to be a lot better against the run. I mean, clearly in the second half of the season, they made a commitment to the run. They were much better against the run, um, you know, especially in the last month or so. And in actually, I, I think both playoff games, they were really good against the run as well, but uh, I think the pass rush suffered. And so the equation is always like, how can you stop the run, get into those pass rush situations and then put pressure up the middle in the quarterback's face. And I think that that's the, that's to me, is the schematic Problem the Cowboys and Dan Quinn still have to solve.
1: Yeah, I think this is going to be one of the few seasons where, because every year we're kind of like going, well, we still need to hit this draft pretty hard on the defensive side. You know, I mean, it's it's a, it's making improvements, but you know, we got some we got some holes we got to fill. This is one of those seasons where I almost feel like it's a bonus. You know, like if the Cowboys do draft a first round corner, that's that's going to be a bonus, and you know, I feel like this is going to be one of those times where it's probably going to lean more. On the offensive side, but we are going to get some good defensive players. Or, you know, they're going to draft defensive players. So, it'd be kind of curious to see you add some more of those talent in there. And, and, um, and. Hundred percent. But so, Rabs, before we leave today, we, you know, obviously we got the Super Bowl in, in a couple of days, and you know, we're not overly thrilled about the team that is, you know, one of the teams playing in it. But I wanted to get your, just qu- real quickly, ask you. How do you feel? I mean, obviously, we're, we're, we're both rooting for the Chiefs, uh, but are you at all, is, is there any part of you that's like, you know what, some people are like, you know, NFC loyal or something, or or they don't, they put that, you know, the rival thing aside. I mean, how bad are you rooting against Philadelphia this, this weekend?
2: Well, I'll tell you, I'm not even gonna watch the Super Bowl because if I can't bear to watch them win, if they win, I'd rather just not. I'd rather just ignore it and pretend the whole thing didn't happen. I I didn't. I only watched like the last three minutes or so of the Super Bowl uh, in, in 2017, and that was the that was the, the unfortunately the, the time when I think it was. Um, who was it? It was Bennett Uh the defensive end, like, you know, got, got ready to fumble and basically sealed the win. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was gruesome and horrifying. So as, as you know, I'm actually going to be flying out of the country on Sunday. Um, I made my plans a while back before I realized it, it didn't it didn't think through the, the issue that it was a super bowl. Uh, I'm going to be on a flight to, to Portugal. I'm very happy about that. I don't want to watch any of it. And if there is, God forbid some kind of parade in Philadelphia or something. I'm going to be out of town. Oh, for it. So you this, are. This is fantastic. <laughs>
1: Well-scheduled vacation there.
2: Nice indeed. Now. Indeed. So, but I do think, I do think that there are some really interesting kind of um, metrics that suggest that the Eagles have not played a team of this caliber, that they, that they are not, they're, they're like one of those. Um, college football teams that wins a lot of easy games and just don't really know what to do. And frankly, a lot of times their starters haven't played deep into the fourth quarter and don't always know what to do if they, if they play, if they play a close game, whereas the chiefs I think have played a lot more close games. Now I will say, I don't believe that teams learn how to play close games. I just will say that the Eagles haven't played a lot of them. And so they've, I think there are things, there are places where they can be exposed that weren't exposed because they were playing with a lead. Yeah, So I think that, um, if Mahomes and the chiefs can keep it close and I, they might not be able to because the, the Eagles are probably better on both lines, but if they, if the chiefs can somehow keep it close and so it's close in the fourth quarter, I think that uh, there's a lot of evidence that shows that the chiefs have a really good shot to pull this thing out because the Eagles are just not like if, if the, if the chiefs can weather that second quarter and come into halftime where where it's close, I think that I think that they have a great chance to win. Yeah,
1: no, I totally agree. I do feel like it's going to be one of those things where, it's going to be a little bit of a defensive game at first. I don't see a lot of things happening right out of the gate. I think Philly will slowly start to build their lead and it, and it will look like the Eagles are the better team. The Eagles got this and they may prevail and, and hold on, but I do think that the Chiefs are going to make a run and it really comes comes down to the Mahomes magic, you know. What you know, I think they're going to make he's going to make a make a, a go at it at the end and yeah, if he if he delivers, they pull it off, and you, you we're going to see the Chiefs, you know, being champs. If not, then the Eagles are going to hold on. But I definitely think I think it's going to end up being close. Um, and but I don't know who's going to win. But I'll tell you what I I will say this though for those of you who are really involved into this game, uh, and, you, and you have a whole Super Bowl party with your friends, I you know I just want to tell you to go out there and you can, uh, go on, on Twitter at, at Danny Phantom twenty four and I have every year. I put together a Super Bowl challenge. It's a nice game sheet that uh, always spices up our Super Bowl game. And if, so, if you're having having a party, definitely check that out. Um, you will enjoy it. Yes,
2: Indeed, you will. I strongly suggest you participate.
1: And I will. And speaking of enjoying, you know, I'm going to Rabs will be somewhere in Portugal, but I'll tell you what, they'll have internet, and we will be back here next week to talk about. Something you know, one of Rab's favorite things to talk about. We got some more troubleshooting to do, but we're going to look a little deeper into the Cowboys front office. But that is all we have for today. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the Blogging Boys Podcast Network. Leave us a rating, write a review wherever your podcast, Apple, Spotify, iTunes, or Stitcher. Tell us what you think, anything you would like us to do differently to improve your podcast listening experience. And if you ever want to talk to us about anything at all, any Cowboys hot topics, you know, what is your favorite? Super Bowl memory, or, you know, when did this last time you had some terrible service? You can hit us up on Twitter. I'm at dannyfan 24 and Rabs is at Rabblerouser, spelled R-A-B-B-L-E-R-O-U-S-R. And don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week. Every day we got something new for you. Tomorrow we'll have the World's Team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart, so make sure to check that out. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe, stay happy, stay true to the silver blue, and we will catch you later. Go Chiefs!